4 verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them there and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and a number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. With Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all you and all the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom you raised from the dead, who God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13 is where we'll commence tonight. After I blow my nose, you have to forgive me, I'm struggling up here. Okay. Sympathy? Come on. Okay, thank you, thank you. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that a notable sign that has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that they may spread it no further among the people, let us warn them to speak it no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years of age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for always taking us into your counsel. Thank you for opening up your mind to us, your people. Thank you for revealing your ways amongst men. Thank you for revealing to us, Father God, just how absolutely in control you are of all things, Father God. Thank you, God, that the gates of hell cannot stand against the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God. That all those you chose, all those you foreknew, will be called into the kingdom of God. We can rest assured on this, Father God. So we bless you, God. Open up our minds to truly delve into this scripture, Father God, and encourage our hearts in this time and age where the gospel is threatened today as it was 2,000 years ago, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Excuse me. I entitled this, They Saw Their Boldness. They saw something unique. They saw something that was, they've never seen before except one other time, and I'll speak about that. They saw something incredible. In June 1989, the world saw something incredible. In Beijing, June 3rd and June 4th. 
as the tanks were rolling into Tiananmen Square, protesters started to gather and a man stepped out in front of the tanks as they were moving with nothing but a shopping bag in his hand. And when the tank went to the left, the man moved right in front of him. When the tank tried to go to the right, the man moved to the right. In a protest against the political corruption of China and the student uprisings, this man defied the whole government. He defied logic. He defied the military. He defied that tank that could have crushed him immediately. The whole world saw this man's boldness. The picture's an iconic picture today. It's still visual in most of our minds. Not too many people here young enough to forget that. But for most of us, we remember that picture. We don't know who the man is. We don't know whatever happened to that man. He could be dead, he could be alive, we just don't know. But the point is, the world saw this man's boldness. The picture says more about someone than just words could ever do. That iconic picture made a statement. These are convictions backed up by actions, not even words. Deep convictions. In this world of convictions of any kind, whether they're Christian or political, whatever it is, sooner or later, they'll be challenged, especially Christian convictions. And that's what we see in our text tonight. We see Christian convictions being greatly challenged. But they saw something. They saw their boldness. They saw these uneducated men standing before them and proclaiming to them that they had crucified the Lord of glory. They quoted their own scriptures to them. Instead of shrinking like violets under their authority, they stood stout, unflinching, unashamed of the convictions that were in their heart. The Sahadrin was 71 of the, the upper echelons of all Judaism. This was the head of the Jewish people. Many people have stood before them and crumbled, but not these two fishermen, uneducated, untrained in the scriptures. They stood bold, they stood tall, unashamed of the Christ they preached. This boldness that they saw, it suggests a daring statement that goes against all authority. In the face of adversity and fear, they proclaimed the truth they believed in, fully understanding that what they were saying was not going to be received by the people that were hearing it. But when you speak with such boldness and such conviction, when men are filled with the Holy Spirit, when men and women in the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, understand something. The preaching and the teaching arrest the hearer's attention. They were bound. They were compelled to listen to the argument, even though they disagree with it, even though they didn't want to hear it, even though they were never going to believe in it. For a moment, they had to stop. The apostles had their attention. They didn't think about anything else but to realize they were being schooled by these two young boys. That's what's taking place here as the apostles spoke. They were frozen as they spoke boldly in the name of Christ. When they spoke, 
men were compelled to listen to what they said. Whether they believed or not was another thing. But make no uncertain terms. They knew what they were saying. They were basically pointing their finger at them and said, you crucified Christ. You crucified the Lord Christ. They were mesmerized by this boldness. This boldness should not be. They were common men. They were fishermen. They were uneducated. That means they, they, they had no education in the scriptures whatsoever. They didn't come from any school of theology, any school of understanding. And not just that, but they had a Galilean dialect. And if you're not familiar with that, they spoke real poorly. Sort of like a Brooklynese. They did, they were not eloquent even in the Hebrew tongue. They were not eloquent. They spoke with a, a cocky type of dialect. Uneducated, common men, plebeians. You, you, you come, you, you do, you're, you're a tinker. You're, you're a fisherman. You do odd jobs. You're, you're a nobody. Boldness like this should be found in educated orators that captivate audiences with their command of the language and their command of their subject matter and their flowery expressions and illustrations. An orator, yes. From Alexandria, yes. But not from Galilee. Not from a fishing village. Yes, a great orator can make their case with great success. Command the attention of the aristocracy. But who are these boys? They still smelled like fish. The only thing they can do is they were astonished. It means they were marveled. They couldn't put two and two together. How can this be? This should not be. We're hearing something come out of the mouth of children that should not be speaking like bold preachers. And they're marveled. They're astonished. Such eloquent defense of themselves before the, before the court. Two boys and the next cripple still praising God. Don't forget the evidence. They're astonished. What a command of the scriptures. What a defense of themselves. This was an amazing expression of biblical analysis as they broke down Psalm 118. These men were no lightweights. They knew their Bible. They knew their faith. They knew their Christ. And nobody was going to tell them to stop. Then the Sadducees had the aha moment. As they listened to this boldness, this exposition of scripture, this biblical analysis, this, this amazing defense of their faith, articulate. Can they remember? Aha! We recognized this once before by a man named Jesus. He too rebuked us in Luke chapter 20 when we came to him, the scribes and the Pharisees, and they came to him with the high priest and the elders 
And they questioned his authority. And they asked him the same question. By what name and authority do you cast out demons? And he said this. I'll ask you a question. John the Baptist. Was his baptism from heaven or from men? And they all got in a corner. And they conferred like they did here. They said, well, if you say from heaven, then he's going to say, why didn't we believe? And if we say from men, then the people are going to stone us to death because they think John's a prophet. This is what we'll do. We'll go back to him and say, we don't know. And Jesus said, well, I won't tell you either. But I will tell you something, he said. I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm going to tell you a parable about wicked tenants that had a vineyard. And when the owner came back and sent a slave to say, go get the inheritance, guess what? They beat him. He sent back another one. They beat him too. They sent back a third one. They beat them too. He goes, that's what I'll do. I'll send my son to the wicked tenants. Surely they're going to listen to him. But when he came, guess what? They conferred again. And they said, you know something? This is the heir. Let's kill him and keep the inheritance for ourselves." And then Jesus told them, do you know what was written? The stone which the nation rejected became the chief cornerstone. So when they said, we know you're like Jesus, you speak like Jesus, you preach like Jesus, you're bold like Jesus, and you quote the scriptures like Jesus, and you have a biblical analysis of the scriptures like Jesus, that's when they had their aha moment and said, they've been with Jesus. Praise God. We think, oh, they look like Jesus. They don't look like Jesus. They were bold and filled with the Spirit like Jesus. And schooled them in Psalm 118 like Jesus. That's what's happening. And they don't like it. Oh, they don't. They did not like what they just heard. They didn't like the tone they heard it in. They didn't like the boldness. They would have locked them up forever or worse. They would have right there on the spot. But verse 14 says, but. Seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Between them and their hatred of the apostles and the hatred of the name of Jesus Christ was a healed man. He was God's witness to all the devout worshipers in the temple. The evidence is overwhelming. The Sadducees had to say were dumbfounded. A notable sign has taken place All the people see it. We can't lie about them the way we lied about Jesus. And we sent in spies. And we concocted a plan. That he said something about the temple. And blasphemy. And called himself God. Yeah, we can lie about you. We can't lie about them. There's a notable sign here. We can't go back to our old church and start lying about it. Everybody knows a notable sign has taken place. Can't do that. We can't deny it. These uneducated common men that speak 
like Jesus, have performed an incredible sign. So guess what they did? They conferred with one another again. A great meeting of the minds. A great meeting of hostile, unbelieving minds. Get together. Let's see what they're going to concoct. And they come up with the best they can do. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Regulations. That's the answer. Let's regulate their speech. Let's have a speech code. Let's tell them that you can, you can be changed, but just don't tell anybody how it happens. That's what we'll do. Be good people. Be changed people. Be bad people who are now good people. We like that. Just don't tell anybody how it happened. Regulation. Speech codes. You're free to say whatever you want as long as it doesn't interfere or disagree with our beliefs. We don't believe in a resurrection, so stop telling people there's a resurrection. We don't believe in salvation. Stop telling people in salvation. We don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So stop telling people that Jesus is the Son of God. We don't believe in moral absolutes. Stop preaching to the world to clean up their sexual act. That's the world. Speech codes. That's how we'll stop spreading this man's name and this message. Regulate them with threats. How foolish. The Sadducees don't realize what they're up against. They should have thought. They crucified and killed the head of the moment. And guess what? God raised them up from the dead. What are mere words and threats and beatings and flogging and stonings going to do? It can never stop the gospel of God's grace. You tried to kill God himself and it didn't work. And now you're going to threaten his people with threats and beatings and stonings and floggings and imprisonments and yes, death. Do you not know we do not fear man, but we fear God who kills both soul and body and tosses it into hell. They don't know what they're up against. They have no idea. They don't realize the gates of hell cannot prevail against spreading the name of Jesus. Can't do it. Now comes the battle of loyalties. Verse 18, 19, and 20. After they conferred, have no real evidence. They can't beat them. They can't do anything because of the crowd praising God. So they call them in and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. The threat is given. The regulation is given. What will happen to the gospel? There's a showdown going on right now. But the answer is given. Whatever your perception of right is makes no difference to us. Our orders are defined by what we've seen. That's the resurrection. Our orders are by what we heard. The resurrected one taught us concerning the kingdom of God. 
So no matter what you think right or wrong is, makes no difference. You judge for yourself. We cannot stop speaking of what we have seen with our eyes and what we have heard with our ears concerning the word of life. We cannot, it means not able to resist speaking. Peter's not saying, well, you know something, we've thought about this. And your threats and, you know, maybe we can come to a compromise. Peter's saying, I cannot shut up. Don't you understand? You can threaten me with physical harm. I can't stop speaking. I've seen the resurrection of Christ. If you tried to, you couldn't stop me. We're bound to speak until we can speak no more. Paul says it all magnificently when he says, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. What are they going to say to such words? Such boldness, such eloquence, such assuredness of who they were. They were more than fishermen. They were more than uneducated. They were more than commoners, plebeians. And when they further threaten them, because that's the best man can do is threaten men filled with the Holy Ghost. They let them go. Finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. The only thing that stood between the Sadducees' hatred towards these apostles were the praises of the people. That was it. It's the only thing. They were not concerned about the biblical analysis and exposition that was pointed to them. Could care less. They were not concerned of the boldness. They were not concerned of the unflinching, unashamed approach to them. They were not concerned. They weren't concerned that there was a healed man for 40 years. It said twice. For 40 years, the man was put at the gate called beautiful to collect alms. Listen, for 40 years, he's married to the ground. Everybody had pity on him. Everybody knew who this man was. If it wasn't for the praises of the people, no matter what, inside of all the evidence, they would have killed them right there. Just like they did Christ. Of which they're going to do by the time we get to chapter 6. The party will be over soon. They can only hold their hatred in for a short period of time. But for now, God intervenes. This is providence. Through the praises of his people. We'll remove the application. The story of the healed man shows us that opposition to Christianity is on a whole opposition to good. It really is. Opposition to good. The world would receive, or the world we live in just like then, would be ready to receive new people who love God. The world we live in would love to see criminals who have been changed. They like that. The world would receive drug addicts and drug dealers who are now upstanding citizens because of Jesus. The world will receive that. The world will receive bad people who are now good. People who seek the welfare of others. But listen to the regulations. As long as it's on their terms and not God's. The world will receive the good that Christianity gives. It loves a changed life. But leave your doctrine and all it implies at the door. Bring me your change. Bring me your eagerness to help. 
Bring me your compassion. Bring me your mercy. Bring me your hospitals. Bring me your higher education. Bring me all the change that you do. Bring it, bring it, but just leave Jesus and his teachings at home. Have it nothing to do in the public forum. Let it change things behind the scenes. Leave your beliefs at home. You can have your beliefs, just do not share them and spread it among the people. Please understand, this is exactly what's going on in the universities, in the college campuses, in corporate America, in the military today. They are threatening chaplains not to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. They've been court-martialed for praying in Jesus' name. Students who have stood up against the gay and lesbian agenda have been shot down and expelled as hate speech just for disagreeing. Hate speech. It's the world we live in. It's a crossroads we're all in. Who should we obey? Who's the student going to obey? Who's the employee going to obey? Who's the government worker going to obey? Who's the soldier going to obey? Do we obey what you say? Or do we keep on speaking for what we have heard and what we have seen? for verbal communication and disagreement. Just think about this. They were shutting down the apostles not to speak in the name of Jesus, just for speaking. No sword, no threat, no intimidation, just speaking scripture. It's the world we live in right now. And it's getting worse. And I've been working on this, and I'll be bringing it up to, uh, up to date as the year goes on, so give me time. Everything we see here has deep political implications for 21st century American Christians. And we have to know, who are we going to obey? Is it better to listen to what people are trying to shut us down, or are we going to be bold men and women filled with the Spirit of God and making a stance in the public arena for what we have seen, the personal spiritual resurrection, and what we have heard about the goodness of God in the land of the living? Are we going to shut up, or are we going to speak up? Because that's what's taking place today. The war of words. Could you imagine that? But now there's still enough of God's praises in the ears of all these authorities to, there's still some backlash that comes from the public forum. But the day will come when they were going to hear it no more. And the church got to be ready for it. God gives us only one answer to the threats. For we cannot speak but what we have seen and what we have heard. My conscience is compelled by my born-again experience that I have to serve God. Period. For such a time as this.
Every Christian has to be prepared to make a defense of the truth they believe in. Every Christian has to be prepared. You never know when it's going to come. It can come from work. It can come from school. It can come from family. It can come from friends. It can come from a public forum. We've got to be ready to say, you know something, I kindly disagree with that statement. I believe we're created in the image of God, male and female. I believe that God had created men and women to be married in a heterosexual uh, monogamous relationship for the rest of their life. This is what I believe in. I don't hate you. I strongly disagree with you. Period. That's it. It's not about trying to convert anybody. It's about standing up and saying, I disagree with what you're telling me. That's all. And that's what we're called to do. And today, like then, there's still a great need for biblical literacy. These men knew what they were talking about. Believers need to know what they believe in. The Bible approaches, the Bible's approach to life is the best humanity has to offer. I love having debates and arguments with some of my liberal friends that got all the answers for nothing. They do. They got all the answers and all, all they got is problems. That's all. give you one example think about the world we live in right now from a biblical perspective if there was nothing on earth but sexual purity between a man and a woman how well do you think this world would be right now think about it think about the damage that has been done to human beings just through sexual sin think about it Think about the homes that have been destroyed for infidelity. Sexually transmitted diseases. Death. The uh, abortion, thank you. The, not just the, the economic cost, but the emotional cost nobody speaks about. Hi. Try this new medication for your sexually transmitted disease. We're all very happy here in TV land. Now listen, I'm not being harsh to people who have got caught up in the world, but please listen to me. That's what the best the world can do. Just make it go away with a drug. Make it go away with just happy feelings. No. I'm a pastor. I know what it is to stand behind the door with someone who's had an abortion and the tears are broken and lives are ruined. I know what it is to someone who get caught up in uh, 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 sexual sin and, and, and the devastation to the soul and to, to the mind and it, it hurts. You don't see that. They don't talk about it. Sure, if you want to become a boy and you're a girl, let's talk about that. But we live in a society where Jesus says the day is going to come when they're going to call good evil and evil good. It's a confused world. They love it. And the last thing they want to do is anybody speaking in that name. The Sadducees couldn't even mention the name of Jesus. They could only say in that name. God would allow the sacred name of Jesus to be on their lips. This is the world we live in. Nothing has changed.
we're challenged from the inside out. Let's be biblical Christians. Let's wear our faith happily and boldly and show this world there's a much better way of living. And God has the answer, and it's in that name, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. There is a much better way to live. And I thank you for the sweetness of that name that falls from our lips like honey, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, Jesus that frees, Jesus that forgives, Jesus that heals, Jesus that directs, Jesus that gives peace, Jesus that gives hope, Jesus that gives boldness, Jesus that gives us the the, the courage, Father God, to speak like him, to think like him, to act like him, to desire like him, to love you the way he loved you. Yes, and the world will recognize, surely, they too have been with Jesus. Bless you, Father, for your great and awesome Son. In his name we pray.